Everyone else, if you would take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 31. If you have access to the Bible on your phone and you would like to bring that out, we're going to be looking at a well-known passage for, for Mother's Day, but looking at Proverbs chapter 31. This concludes a study in Proverbs that we actually did last year, but never really brought it all the way to completion. We jumped into a couple of other things, and so now we're finally wrapping up the, the end of that book. And let me acknowledge up front as we get into this study, and you've got access to some sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, but as we get into this study this morning, I realize that Mother's Day comes with a lot of different emotions. Uh, this morning could be a time of great celebration for you. It's just a time of joy. You have your family together. You see this beautiful family up here on stage for parent-child dedication, and it brings a lot of joy. Equally so, we realize that Mother's Day can come with a lot of pain, a lot of emotional pain. This may be the first Mother's Day without your mother, or you may have a deep desire in your heart to have children or to be a mother, and Mother's Day just brings all those things rushing back. It's, it's all those emotions that come back. And so we realize that when we come together like this, what we are doing is exactly what the church or what the Bible says the church should do. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. You see that example in scripture and when the body of Christ is gathered together, we are able to equally say, I rejoice with you because of the great mother that you have. I rejoice with you because of your children. I rejoice in my heart. I thank God for all of his goodness in your life. And at the same time, turn to the next person and say, my heart breaks for you. I mourn with you. I care deeply for you because I know that you're hurting. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is we can do both of those authentically with one another, caring for one another so there's hope and there's healing, and there's love, and that all comes because of the grace of God, because of how good he is to us, and equally, how he doesn't stand distant from our pain, but he comes to us in those times of hurt, and he brings that hope, and he brings that healing, and he brings that love. So I just want you to know up front, I realize there's mixed emotions in the room this morning when we talk about Mother's Day, but I pray that God's word this morning would speak to your life. We're gonna look at Proverbs 31 from maybe a different angle, then you've looked at it before, but I hope that God will use this this morning in your life. Let's begin reading in Proverbs 31, down in verse 10. The translation I'm reading from begins with, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the dye staff. The dye staff is what holds the thread as it's being put on the spindle. And her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. 
She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. May God bless the reading of his word. So as of April 15th of this year, the current oldest person alive is a woman named Violet Mosey Brown, who is 117 years old, and she lives on the northwest side of Jamaica. Uh, She's actually from the same district in Jamaica where Usain Bolt is from. So she's must be some good things in the water uh, in that part of Jamaica. But she is now the oldest person in the world. She was born in 1900. The previous uh, lady, who I think lived in France, was the last person who had been born in the 19th century, still living. Uh, but but Miss Brown, Sister Brown, as people call her there, she's 117. Her son, who is 96, still lives with her. Uh, man, you can't get the kids out of the house, can you? Uh, she's like, son, when you're 100, you got to go. Like, I'll give you to 100, but then, you, then at some point, you just got to move out, man. Uh, but her son, who's 96, still lives with her. She is a disciplinarian. She's a businesswoman. She's a mentor. She's a deacon. You got to love that if you're part of our Wednesday night study a couple of uh, weeks ago. But she's involved in her Baptist church there. She's performed just about every possible role that you can in that Baptist church over the years, being involved with different projects and music and children's ministry. If ever there was a Proverbs 31, Sister Brown at 117 in Jamaica probably deserves that title. When we hear Proverbs 31 woman, it comes with a lot of baggage sometimes. What does it mean to be a Proverbs 31 woman? Why does the book of Proverbs end with this passage? And let me just tell you up front that this passage is not here in Scripture to make the already most overworked group of people in the world feel worse about themselves. I can promise you that that's not why this passage is here. If you come away feeling like, oh man, I'm not super mom, that's not the point of the passage. And we're going to get at what the point of the passage is. But it would be strange for a book like Proverbs that is all about showing the people of God how to live in the power of God. What does it look like to live as God's people for a whole book to be about that and then come to the end and say, hey moms, you need to do better. This is what your life should look like. That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make sense of what's happening in this book. It wouldn't make sense of the rest of scripture. And so what we're going to find here in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 31, is this passage is meant to put lady wisdom on display. 
Lady Wisdom, who has been at work in the book of Proverbs, showing us this is what it looks like to be God's people. This is what it looks like to live the life that God has called you to live. This final passage in Proverbs says, and this is what it can look like. And so instead of saying, this is what your life has to look like, what this passage does is it calls every one of us in here to be inspired to live fully for God by God's power, for God's purposes. And so as we begin to unpack it, we'll even find in the end, it's a picture of the gospel. We find in the New Testament that Jesus tells the people that one greater than Solomon has come. I'm not here just to give you advice on how to live a better life. Proverbs 31 is not primarily about how to give you advice to be a better mom or a better wife. It's designed to point you toward the Lord. And to say, do I understand that my life comes from him? And for every one of us, married, unmarried, male, female, are we living our life for the purpose that God has created us? And are we living it in his power? One of the ways I want to show you how this works is by connecting Proverbs 31 to other places in Scripture. And then also showing you some things in this chapter that fit together. So we're going to start by showing connections between Proverbs 31 and a couple of other places in Scripture. We're going to start, maybe surprisingly, with Song of Solomon. So Song of Solomon is another one of the writings in the Bible, the wisdom passages in Scripture. You have Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You also include Job in that that passage and those types of writings. With the wisdom passages in scripture, it's all about comparison and contrast. And so the way this works is you'll have Proverbs that says, do these things and life will go well. Well, you have to read that alongside Job, who seemingly does everything and life doesn't go well. So someone comes and they say, you know what, I've done everything pretty well And you don't know the pain that I'm experiencing in life. Is it because I'm not following the Lord? Well, no, the book of Job is out there to say life doesn't always work like that. God meets us in our pain. You have something like Proverbs that says this is the way that you should live. And then you have Proverbs 31. She looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Then you have something like Song of Solomon Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. How do those two passages go together? Because if you read, let's just be straightforward here. If you read Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, this is a lady who does not have a lot of time for kissing. Uh, She is busy. She is working with her hands. She stays up all night providing for her family She's not particularly interested at that moment in her husband giving her kisses. That's not the first thing coming to to her mind. She is a worker. How can that image of wisdom coexist alongside Son of Solomon, which is this passage of romantic love? What it is, very simply, is just another example in Scripture that God gives us different angles, different perspectives for understanding the full life that we're meant to live. If you only read Song of Solomon, life is just one long honeymoon. It's just one long romantic experience. It's just, it's what guys think, you know, 
marriage is always gonna be like. It's all, well, no, no, there's the Proverbs 31 side of marriage too. You've gotta go to work. You've gotta provide for your family. You've gotta be engaged in these other things. Does that mean that Son of Solomon isn't real or that part of marriage doesn't exist? No, that's, that's part of it too, but there's also Proverbs 31. As we're reading these passages, we have to understand them alongside one another. Here's another connection that I love about Proverbs 31. In the Hebrew Bible, so not the copy that you're going to have in front that's laid out in a little bit different order, but in the Hebrew Bible, do you know what book follows Proverbs 31? It's the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth in the Hebrew Bible follows Proverbs 31. And I think it does, in fact, I don't think it does, I know it does on purpose, because you have Proverbs 31 of this great wife, this great woman who has strength and dignity, and then it's like God's showing you, here's an example of that. Let me tell you about Ruth. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent or worthy wife who can find. Proverbs 31.29, many women have done excellently. Same word, you know, a little bit different way, but you surpass them all. In Ruth 3.11, says, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I, Boaz, will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. The same word that's used to describe the woman of wisdom in Proverbs 31 is the same word used to describe Ruth. And with Ruth, you see that same contrast, not contrast, but that same two-sided reality of romantic love between Ruth and Boaz, but you also see with Ruth that Proverbs 31 woman who knows how to work, who goes out to the field, who does what it takes to provide for her family. And so God has given us in scripture Proverbs 31 as this picture, and he says, if you wanna know what that looks like, look at Ruth, here she comes next. Study her life about what it is to be a worthy woman. When you think about the way Proverbs as a book fits together, I wanna walk you through some of the different Proverbs and show you the way that they tie together with Proverbs 31. We're gonna start in Proverbs chapter three, verse 15. These are gonna be up on the uh, screen, but equally so, it might be interesting if you turn back in your Bible or scroll up in your phone a little bit, you can kind of follow the progression. What we're trying to do here is I want you to see that Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, that very end, is not a random tag on. It's not like, and here's how women should do a better job at life. Proverbs 31 is meant to fit together with everything that's come before. Proverbs 31 is that ultimate picture of what wisdom looks like. So Proverbs chapter three, verse 15. Wisdom is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Well, how does Proverbs 31 begin there in verse 10? An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. If you need an argument for why Proverbs 31 has to be read with the rest of the book, this is it. The description of wisdom in chapter three is exactly the same as the description of this noble, worthy woman that you find in chapter 31. Females in Proverbs, though, don't always come across as the heroines. They don't always come across as the good people. Sometimes females are used in Proverbs as examples of a wayward woman or an adulterous woman. Someone's going to take you to the side. You have something like Proverbs chapter 5, uh, verses 3 to 5. Proverbs chapter 5, you begin to get into these examples of the strange woman or the wayward woman that takes you away from the things of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 5 
For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. So there's an example of someone who speaks in a way to lead you away from the life that God's intended. It ultimately leads to death if you go that direction. Proverbs 31, verse 11. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She leads to life, not death. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. In Proverbs 5, the woman had honey on her tongue. It seemed good on the outside. It sounded good. It tasted good. But ultimately, it was bitter. It led to death. The woman in Proverbs 31, when she speaks, it's wisdom. It's kindness. There's substance. There's a lesson to be learned here in Proverbs. And the lesson is, be very careful about something that looks good on the surface, but when you get deeper into it, you find out that it's no good. It's rotten. It's dead. True wisdom is going to have substance from beginning to end. It's not what's on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside. What's going on there? Another example, Proverbs chapter 7. Another example in Proverbs chapter 7 of this wayward woman. We find out in Proverbs 7, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. There's no stability There's no strength there. She's going all over the place. She takes you away from where you're supposed to be. Proverbs 31, what's the contrast? She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So she's not loud, obnoxious. This isn't a personality loud. Some people are just loud, and that's that's okay. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. This is loud in the sense of boisterous, chaotic bringing chaos into a situation as opposed to bringing peace is is that type of idea. Down in Proverbs 31, she speaks with kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not chasing life in every possible direction. She has stability. She says, I'm going to give myself to what's right in front of you. I'm going to give myself to my family. I'm going to give myself to my home. I don't have to chase my identity or my success or my significance in all these other places, I'm just gonna be faithful to what God's put in front of me. Proverbs chapter nine. Proverbs chapter nine, as you continue to turn through the pages of your Bible there, Proverbs nine, you start to see a positive example of female wisdom. You start to see what it looks like to live this out. Proverbs nine, starting in verse four. Lady Wisdom says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. Think about this as the beginning of the relationship. Lady Wisdom is saying, if you want to find true life, come to me and I will show you. I will provide these things. So she's calling the young man to say, if you want to find true life, come to me. Proverbs 31, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. All the things that Lady Wisdom promised in Proverbs 9 comes to fulfillment with this noble woman in Proverbs 31. It's God's way in the book of Proverbs of saying, if you will follow my path, it will lead to where I promise it will lead. All the things I've laid out before you they're not going to lead to death, they're going to lead to life. I've said that I will do this, and you see this noble woman of Proverbs 31 bringing all those things to fruition, bringing all those things to their appropriate conclusion. Another example, this is probably the most important, in fact. 
Proverbs chapter 1. I know you've skipped past it, but it's in Proverbs 1 and it's in Proverbs 9. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is in sight. So you see those examples in the book of Proverbs about how fear of the Lord is at the heart of what wisdom is all about. Well, what do you find when you get to Proverbs 31? The very or second to last verse in Proverbs says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's another example about how Proverbs from beginning to end has been about lady wisdom showing you the way to life. If you will go this way, if you will live in this way, if you will seek the Lord in this way, this is where it ends. So it begins, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it ends with a woman who fears the Lord, a woman who understands this wisdom, she is to be praised. When you get in a little bit closer to home, when you get into Proverbs chapter 31 itself, verse 8, so if you turn all the way, there's a dozen more connections we could find throughout Proverbs, but just for the sake of time, if you go ahead to Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8, the mom is speaking to her son, King Lemuel here, and she's saying, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So she's speaking at the beginning of Proverbs 31 to her son who is going to reign in the palace. So it's, it's, a, it's a royal focus, it's a kingdom focus, live this way. Then in Proverbs 31 verse 10, it transitions from the palace to the home. So God is saying to his people, it matters how you rule, and equally, it matters how you live your life day to day. It speaks to the palace, to the place of leadership, and it speaks to day-to-day life in the home. What do you find in Proverbs 31? She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So everything that the mother wanted King Lemuel to do as a leader in the kingdom— this husband and wife duo are doing in their home. They are fulfilling God's purpose for his kingdom. There's a command given to King Lemuel, then it's played out in this home where they care for the poor, and her husband is known in the gates. Time out on something. Sometimes when Proverbs 31 is read just as a command to women, or just as a command to wives, the husband could come off looking really bad in Proverbs 31. It's, it's used to shame husbands because you know where the only time the husband shows up in Proverbs 31? He's off with the guys, hanging out at the city gate. His wife's back at home working her hands to the bones, and he's out hanging with the guys. And just to cut straight to the matter, there have been times that this passage has been used to validate a very passive lifestyle for men. You do that work at home, I'm gonna be over here with the guys. That is not the purpose of Proverbs 31:26. What the, or 31, 23. What the man is doing here at the gates is when the guys would gather together, they were judging on behalf of the people. They were enacting these laws, they were making decisions. He's defending the rights of the poor. He's working 
for justice in the city. So the guy is not off doing his own thing and having fun while mom's at home working. They together are fulfilling the command for God's kingdom that was given at the beginning of Proverbs 31 to King Lemuel. So the man here isn't being passive. He's protecting the poor. He's judging in favor of those who are needy or maybe those who are treated unjustly. He's going to work too. He, he's engaged here. It's not a passive sitting at the gates. It, it's an active doing your job sort of sitting at the gates. Okay, let's get into Proverbs 31 starting at verse 10 and look at a few more things. There's so many things that develop. Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, this whole section is an acrostic. Each set of two lines begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So you have the first letter, Aleph, and then Bet, and then Gimel, and it just keeps going down as, as an alphabet uh, acrostic. And so it's meant to show this beauty and this cohesiveness. It's all meant to, to fit together. In verse 10, an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. So we have this reference again to, to how you adorn yourself. Proverbs 31, 17, she dresses herself with strength. I say that this passage is not primarily about women. It talks a lot about clothing in Proverbs 31. So make of that what you will, but uh, Proverbs 31 talks a lot about clothing, but maybe not in the way that we would expect. She is far more precious than jewels. She's not comparing herself to that. She dresses herself with strength. Her clothing in verse 22 is fine linen and purple. Just because she's caring for others doesn't mean that she's neglecting herself. This is, for lack of a better word, a wealthy, classy woman. She is able to care for others while at the same time caring for herself. When this passage is used in a negative way against women or moms, they come away feeling like, I can never do anything for myself because I'm constantly doing everything for my family. This is a lady who's caring for her family, but equally, she said, when I go out, I'm wearing fine linen and purple. Uh, and Jordan and I wore purple on stage today as well together, so uh, I don't know what that says about us, but nonetheless. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So she's not finding her identity in fine linen and purple. She's not saying I'm going to adorn myself outwardly, but my life is falling apart inside. No, she says what I'm really interested in is fear of the Lord. Let's look at a couple of other things that show up in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 11, if you go back up a little bit, verses 11 to 12, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Then down in 15 and 21 and 27, it talks about this good that she's doing for her household. You get down to verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. This is the situation where the family is caring for one another. She's doing good for the household, and the kids are caring for her. The husband is praising her. They're speaking well for one another. Uh, my wife and I did one of those personality tests, like the Myers-Briggs personality test, where it gives you four letters that describe your, uh, describe your personality. She said, will you do this with me? I said, sure. Yeah. Personality tests aren't really my thing, but I'll, I'll do it. Did you know there are four letters there that could kind of go either way? Every letter was different for us. Every single one. I was an I. She was an E. 
and then I forget them all after that until you get to the end, but every single one, we were different, and we were like, wow, this explains a lot of things <laughs> right here, but it also explains the fact that you, you care for one another, you come from different perspectives. Here in this passage, the wife is working hard, but the kids and husband are caring for her with their words. They're blessing her. They're praising for her. There's a cohesiveness. There's a harmony. That's the word. There's, there's that Old Testament shalom that's happening in, in the house. There's shalom. There's peace. There's harmony. Everybody is in this together in this household. One of the things you find about this lady in Proverbs 31 is she works she knows what it is to strive to, to do good work. Down in verse 13, Proverbs 31, verse 13, she works with willing hands. Now, this is not to, meant to say anything if you're in a situation in life where you're not able to literally work for a living right now because of physical disability or something else going on in your life. This just means that this is an active woman. When you get to the New Testament, to 1 Timothy chapter 5, the older women are called to be active in prayer. Being active in prayer is no less than going to work and earning a wage. It's just those are different ways of being active. But this is a woman who is willing to work with her hands. I love verses 19 and 20. Check this out. This is a fun part of, of Proverbs. So in verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff, the part that holds the thread, and her palms hold the spindle. So she's going to work. She closes her hands on a task. She says, I'm going to do this. She closes her hands, and the, the word palm is used. In verse 20, it flips the words palms and hands. So hands, palms, palms, hands. In verse 20, she opens her palms to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. You see the picture there. She goes to work. She does something. She produces and then she opens up her hands and says, I'm going to use everything I produce to care for those around me. It's this beautiful picture of I work, but then I don't keep my hands clenched to what I worked for. I worked in order that I can open my hands and give to those around me. Verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. She needs to be acknowledged for what she's done, but the main thing is she worked and then she opened her hands. Uh, one more place to look here for just a second. Look in verse 25 and verse 26. Verse 25, what does wisdom look like? What does a full life look like? Strength and dignity are her clothing. There's that clothing reference again. Strength and dignity are clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. If we're not careful, <laughs> if we're not careful uh, with Proverbs 31, I read it and I think of an angry, harsh housewife. You think of the lady in the movie who is always working, but she's just running over everybody in the house. She's just angry, but she's going to get the job done, and you're not working hard enough, and it's all about this lady. The only two times in Proverbs 31 she vocalizes She's laughing, and she's speaking kind wisdom to the people around her. So now you're really sick at this lady. Not only does she work all the time, not only does she care for the poor, but also she laughs and she speaks kindly to those around her. There's one commentator that talks about this passage, and it says, 
Who in a thousand lifetimes could do what the lady of Proverbs 31 does? You feel that way, like how could you do this? This idea of laughing here in Proverbs 31 is laughing because you have freedom and confidence. You're able to laugh at the days to come because you know that you have freedom. It's this idea of, of that strength and dignity. There's a Baptist uh, home for girls down in Medill in, in southern Oklahoma. And the gentleman who has been over that home for a long time down there, that ministry, grew up in the same place I did in, in southern Oklahoma. So I've known him. He's a good, good bit older than I am, but I've known him through the years. This was the verse that they used for the girls there because they knew that when they got to the point with those girls that they were able to laugh. It was a sign that healing was starting to come into their lives. These are girls that experienced incredible trauma. They'd been through everything imaginable. They had reached the very bottom of life. But when those girls could laugh, Proverbs says that laughter is medicine for the bones. When you reach a point that you can truly express yourself and say, you know what? I have freedom in the Lord, I have confidence about life, and I'm able to express myself in authentic laughter. It's a sign of God's healing. It's a sign of hope in life. You know what it's like to be in a household or to be in a situation where there's not laughter, and everything feels suppressed, everything feels uncertain, but when there's laughter, there's healing there, there's hope, there's security, there's confidence. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Kindness is, is on her tongue. She's speaking uh, she's speaking love, she's speaking hope in other people's lives. One more place I want us to look here uh, before we do some summary points. Proverbs 31, verse 21. This idea of fear is kind of wrapped up in it again, but Proverbs 31, 21. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet, um, is what my translation says. Sometimes it will say double-layered, uh, garments. It depends on which translation you're looking at, but it's, they don't have to be afraid because she's planned for this. 3125, again, this idea she laughs at the time to come. She's not afraid. Proverbs 3130, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We're back again to this idea that she has stability and hope in life because of her relationship with the Lord. On the back of your bulletin, there's two summary points about wisdom, about the life that God has called us to live that are found in this passage. There's two summary points. The first is worship, and the second is works. What does all of wisdom boil down to? It boils down to worship and works, and you have to get those in the right order. Worship is about our relationship with God. This woman is able to portray wisdom in Proverbs 31 because she fears the Lord, because she worships him. She has, that horizontal, she has that vertical relationship with God in place that sets her free to do everything else that's mentioned in that passage. One of the other wisdom writings, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, you go through it for 12 chapters, and the richest man who ever lived lived, looks for wisdom in all kinds of places, looks for life in all kinds of places, looks for success, can't find it, and finally comes to the end of Ecclesiastes and says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. If you're here this morning 
saying, I need stability in life. I'm looking for wisdom. I'm looking for hope. I'm looking for healing. You're not going to find it by trying to imitate immediately the Proverbs 31 woman. Because if we're not careful, if we get these things out of order, what you do is you go through life trying to do all of these things to find significance and identity and hope and healing, and you're working, and you say, the harder I work, the more my life seems to fall apart. I'm grasping at something that's gonna hold my life together. Fear God, worship him. Know what it is to have that relationship with God in place. It has to begin there. If you are trying to get your life together on your own strength, if you are trying to work yourself into stability in life, it will never happen because we are not ultimately able to establish our lives. Only God can do that. That's why we have to get this in the right order. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is ultimately where we find life. And then as a result of that, we do those works that he calls us to do. The very last verse in Proverbs 31 says, Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the idea of we use that, or out of the outflow of that worship of God, we live fruitful lives. We used the word productive last week. We are living productive lives, seeking to live out the life that God has called us to live. How does that wisdom happen? How does worship and works happen? One of the things we find from Proverbs 31 is it happens in the context of home. If you look on your notes at the bottom, I've put four points about wisdom and home. Number one, home is where wisdom is made and matures. God puts us in a home so that we can learn what it is to live the life that he has called us to live. Home is where your kids learn what it is to fear the Lord, to worship him. Home is also where your kids learn to get to work. You have responsibilities. You have things that God has called you to do. You have things that you put your hands to, not so you can hold on to those things yourself, but so you can care for the people around you. In a home, you're trying to help your kids work out these realities of wisdom that are found in the book of Proverbs. When you say, hey, son, you're about to turn 100. It's time to get out and get a job. It's time to get out and make something of yourself. Like, put your hands to work. This is the idea that you learn in a home what it is to worship, and then in that home you learn what it is to do work. You learn what it is to make your life count. So home is where wisdom is made and where it matures. Number two, God created the whole world as a home in which we would live wisely for and with him. This world is a home in which we were meant to learn what it is to live wisely. But sin has corrupted life in this home and broken the connection between heaven and earth. Because of sin, we live in broken homes even now. We use broken home sometimes in a very specific way in our culture. The reality is because of sin, every one of our homes is broken. It doesn't have anything to do with the relationship of your parents or your stepfamily or anything like that. We live in broken homes because of sin, but because of Jesus Christ that's able to be put back together. God begins to bring healing. He begins to bring hope. He begins to show us what does it look like to live wisely in this world? What does it look like to live wisely with one another? So sin has corrupted those things, but through Christ it's beginning to be put back together, ultimately looking ahead to number three. A future perfect home awaits 
when God reconciles heaven and earth. One day, God will kick out sin completely, destroy death completely, and the home will be made perfect. And it's in that perfect home, the fusion of heaven and earth, one day in the future, when God will allow us to live wisely in his world, in this new creation. But we're living now focused toward that, seeking to bring God's love into this world, seeking to bring God's hope into our homes, seeking to bring hope into your workplace, wherever God has placed you. So number four, in the meantime. Okay, so I live in a broken world. One day God will make everything new. What do I do tomorrow morning? I still have to continue to live life. In the meantime, we live in our homes and in our churches in such a way that others can see God's glory and love. You don't have to be a mother to do this. Mothers are one of the most beautiful examples, one of the most perfect examples of what it looks like to live this out. But this is not just for mothers. This is God calling all of us to live fully the life that he's created us to live. I want you to see this quote on the screen. I'll read it out to you. It's a little bit of an extended quote. But I want you to see what it is to live in this world seeking to be wise, seeking to live fully the life that God created for you. This lady says, we need a bigger story that reflects our call to image or, or to portray a homemaking God in the world. You probably don't think about God very often as a homemaker, but it's a really nice picture of what God is doing in Scripture. Whatever our marital and parenting status might be, God promises home to all of his people, married and unmarried, childless and childful. Home in God's kingdom doesn't begin at the wedding altar. Go to the next slide. We'll keep reading. In part, home is restored to all of God's children because Christ has promised that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then look how she concludes this. We all have home because God, through the indwelling of his spirit, makes us with us, in us. He makes his home in us. Moreover, home as human community is given to each of us through the belonging we're meant to find in the church, the household of God. You may say, my home is not really a place where I can learn a lot of wisdom. It is a hard, difficult place. That's the gift of the church, where we are brought together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we learn what it is to live wisely, that God has placed us here so that we can live as his people. Revelation 21, the way that God wraps all of this up is in Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place, the home of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. The book of Genesis, at the very beginning, God establishes and builds a home for his people. Sin destroys and corrupts that home. Jesus comes in order to put life back into that home, to recreate that home, to give us life so that we can show the world what it is to experience that through him. Then one day, God will come and make his home with his people again, and all things will be made right. 
In the meantime, we have the Proverbs 31 woman who shows us what it is to experience God's wisdom in our lives. How do I do that? I worship him. Do you worship God? What is your vertical relationship with God? Are you living, trying to get your life together, or do you know what it is to worship him? And if you do worship him, what are you doing? What is he calling you to do? What works are at your fingertips that you're doing so that the world around you will know about his wisdom? Let's pray together. Here in just a second, we're going to, we're going to sing a song about the hope of the cross. It's a song to follow up from the Lord's Supper a few minutes ago. But during this song, I'd like you to reflect on those two words, worship and work. The Proverbs 31 woman teaches us about worship, what it is to experience God's wisdom, what it is to fear God and experience the life that he's created us to live, to know that when we fear God, we are able to laugh, we are able to speak in our homes with kindness, we are able to go to work with confidence and do what God has placed, to us, placed in front of us to do. So we worship and then works. What is God calling you to do with your life? What has he called you to wrap your hands around so that then you can open your hands and care for the people in your life? What is that thing that you have put your hands to and you're gonna give yourself fully so that through it you're able to care for others around you? God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. God, thank you for the gift of home. Thank you for the gift of moms. We know one day we will experience that home in fullness with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.